This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Okay, back to the situation in Ukraine now. And if you remember, one of the first things that happened when the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine got underway was the Russian seizure of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. Now, that power plant, if you remember, was at the center of what is the world's worst ever nuclear disaster. So it's, it's a big deal for a lot of reasons. And this is going to be an interesting conversation. We're going to chat with Carmel Mothersill, who is professor and Canada Research Chair in Environmental Radiobiology at McMaster University. Didn't even know that was a thing. I do now. Uh, Carmel, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Oh, no problem. Now, this Chernobyl disaster, I'm sure most people remember it, but just give us the background. It happened more than 35 years ago, the worst ever nuclear disaster. Tell us exactly what happened. Well, um, there was an experiment that the um, people that were manning the reactor decided to carry out, which was um, not authorized. And um, it it was in the middle of the night and they were testing something and it led to a meltdown, uh, which blew the three-ton roof of the um, containment area of the reactor. It blew it clean away. And um, this led to a fire and as well as the meltdown. And for 10 days, um, radioactivity was spewing out in very high concentrations out of the uh, reactor. Uh, the Soviets didn't tell anyone what was going on. And uh, it was only in Sweden that they uh, detected higher than normal levels of radioactivity in their own power plant. And they evacuated everyone thinking there was something wrong there. And then uh, they found that it had originated in um, uh, the Ukraine. But that radioactivity had spread all through Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. It was particularly heavy in um, Belarus and in parts of uh, uh, Western Russia and also, of course, in the Ukraine itself. Now, you've actually been to the site. You've been to Chernobyl, correct? Oh, I have several times, yeah. I even brought 24 McMaster students there once, which was very (laughs) memorable. (laughs) Why? I mean, your work sounds fascinating to me. Why do you travel to the site of the world's worst ever nuclear disaster? Uh, well, it's it's actually one of the few places in the world where you can study the effects of um, uh, radiation on plants and animals because all the humans were evacuated and they declared um, the uh, 30 kilometer uh, area around the reactor an exclusion zone. Uh, so, of course, nature in the absence of humans um, thrived and lots of animals migrated back into the zone. So it's one of um, the few places where you can actually do experiments to find out what the effects of low doses of radiation are on animals and on ecosystems. So it's a terribly important um, place, really. So 35 years have passed. Now, I mean, I think for a lot of us who think about it, we think of world's worst nuclear disaster. We're talking about a barren wasteland here, but you're talking about animals moving back in. How has it progressed and what does it look like today at Chernobyl? 
Uh, it looks absolutely beautiful. I mean, I mean, you've got uh, uh, sort of trees everywhere. You've got um, swamps and wetlands. Uh, beavers have moved back in. Uh, there's a uh, whole number of animals. There are a lot of moose. And it's kind of like the boreal forest in, in Canada, really. And the animals and plants are thriving. Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, like the levels in most areas of the zone are, are very um, low now. Uh, there are areas close to the reactor. There's a kind of a plume, a track, uh, where there's high levels of radioactivity. Uh, they might get more, maybe 30 times to 60 times the background. But in most of the um, exclusion zone, it's quite low levels now. So what's uh, it like so What's it like working there, though? I mean, are you constantly monitoring radiation levels? Are you wearing protective equipment? I mean, what's it like? Uh, for certain areas, you have to wear um, protective equipment. And actually, the last time I was there, I had to leave. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. My Wellington boots, because they were contaminated, so they're still in the zone. (laughs) But um, uh, in most areas, like where I was actually doing my lab work, uh, that's kind of uh, safe to work. You just have to be a little bit cautious when you go out. Wow, so, uh, I had no idea. Quite an experience. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, 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 what are your concerns about what we've seen over the past week? Um, you know, with this with this conflict and with Chernobyl being a focus so early on, what what worries you? Uh, well, I I was thinking a lot about this. I think the main problem in the long term is going to be access to that. Um, terribly important site for doing radiation studies. I don't, I think the Russians were as badly affected as um, the Ukrainians and Belarusians by the fallout or not the fallout really by the um, uh, um, spread of the contamination. So I don't think they'd uh, endanger the plant in any way. They'd be trying to secure it. Right. It's it's run. It was run until a few days ago by the Ukrainian military, and they controlled access, and um, you had to get permits and all that. Uh, so I think they just replace the Russians replaced the Ukrainians, but I don't think they'll actually endanger uh, the the area. Uh, what they have done, of course, um, is they've blocked off uh, all access to communication. Yeah. So. We know there was a spike on the day after um, when they took over the plant. There was a recorded spike in radioactivity. But since then, uh, there's no information. The monitors have all been shut down. So there's no access to information. Uh, But we think the consensus is is that um, it was the tanks moving through that they disturbed soil because they're very heavy and uh, they would have uh, disseminated radioactivity into the air that way. So that that's what we think. But in the absence of any uh, data, we can't tell whether the spike has increased or uh, leveled off. And the problem, uh, it would take a, a very big release of radioactivity to be detected, like in Sweden or, or Poland right. or the Baltic states. So kind of just hope for the best, really. <laughs> 
Wow. Now, um, the work that you're doing, um, it's interesting. I'm just wondering, you know, if this means that you can't access this location and it is, like you say, an extremely unique location where work can be done there that can't be done anywhere else on the world. What do we yeah. what do we risk losing? What does this information tell us? How can it help us? Well, um, the information tells us what the long term effects of low doses of radiation are on ecosystems. So it's really important for um, uh, people who are considering developing uh, nuclear power around the world. And an awful lot of people are thinking that the, the um, small modular reactors, as they're called, little little. Um, reactors are a good solution to global warming because they think you could have um, these reactors in remote areas uh, in, for example, Canada. Uh, And um, uh, the problem is that we really don't know what the effects of low doses are on ecosystems, not to speak of the um, uh, problems of like infrastructure and uranium mining uh, and releases that are um, needed for the operation of these plants. So it's terribly important to be to have access to sites where we can study low yeah. dose effects. It's very, very uncertain, and there's huge controversy about what the effects are. So that's the, the big sad thing, because these relationships took um, 30 or more years to uh, build up uh, the... the um, uh, sort of local knowledge and the, the relationships and collaborations with the Ukrainians are very long-term and they're just gone overnight. Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, we don't know yeah. exactly what's going to happen long-term, but I... Yeah. Very interesting, Carmel. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. Oh, no problem. Thank you. That is Carmel Mothersill, who is a professor and the Canada Research Chair in Environmental Radiobiology at McMaster University.